Hello again, and welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, episode 398. This is the weekly podcast about American flowers and the people who grow and design with them. It's all about making a conscious choice, and I invite you to join the conversation and the creative community as we discuss the vital topics of saving our domestic flower farms and supporting a floral industry that relies on a safe, seasonal, and local supply of flowers and foliage. This podcast is brought to you by slowflowers.com, the free nationwide online directory to florists, shops, and studios who design with American-grown flowers and to the farms that grow those blooms. It's the conscious choice for buying and sending flowers. And thank you to our lead sponsor, Florist Review Magazine. I'm delighted to serve as contributing editor for Slow Flowers Journal, found in the pages of Florist Review. It's the leading trade magazine in the floral industry and the only independent periodical for the retail, wholesale, and supplier market. Take advantage of the special subscription offer for members of the Slow Flowers community at deborahprinzing.com, where you can also find the show notes for today's episode 398. Our first sponsor spotlight is Northwest Green Panels. Based in Madras, Oregon, Northwest Green Panels designs and constructs a wide array of wood-framed greenhouses offering versatility, style, and durability. Their greenhouses are 100% Oregon-made, using twin-wall polycarbonate manufactured in Wisconsin, making Northwest Green Panel structures a great value for your backyard. The 8-by-8-foot modern slant greenhouse has become the essential hub of my cutting garden. Check out photos of my greenhouse in today's show notes or visit Northwest Green Panels to see more. Our theme for 2019, 50 States of Slow Flowers, continues today with farmer florist Martha Pineda of Dubuque, Iowa-based Martha's Gardens. So listen for our conversation all about flowers in Iowa at the close of this episode. But first, I have a delicious treat. The Slow Flower Summit is just 10 weeks away on July 1st and 2nd in St. Paul, Minnesota. So in future episodes, I'll be featuring much more about the summit's details, people, places, and flowers. There's lots in store for you at our third annual summit, dubbed a TED Talk for Flower Lovers. And I'm so eager to share our incredible program and special events with you. Today, we have a preview of our bonus event, the Slow Flowers Dinner on the Farm, which is scheduled for Sunday, July 30th on Green Earth Growers Farm in Prior Lake, Minnesota. This is an incredible dining experience designed to please all of your senses. You'll also get to meet our summit speakers who will be there to mix and mingle with all attendees. It's a separately ticketed event at a fabulous rate of $100 per person. Our guests today are Monica Walsh, founder and director of Dinner on the Farm, a Minnesota-based organization known for its roaming culinary events. Monica is joined by Christine Hoffman of Twin Cities Flower Exchange and Foxglove Market, co-host of the Slow Flower Summit. I'm so grateful that Christine introduced me to Monica in the early stages of our summit planning. Her suggestion that we include a flower farm dinner option for summit attendees exceeded all my dreams and expectations for building community and showcasing regional agriculture. I simply could not envision how to pull off a dinner not knowing the local foodie scene. But fortunately for me, Christine and her husband Steve Sauline are a big part of Dinner on the Farm's event production team, and their relationship with Monica 
Monica Open the Right Doors. You'll hear more about that collaboration in our conversation today. First, here's a bit more about Monica Walsh. She's Dinner on the Farm's founder. It all began on an organic dairy farm in southeastern Minnesota, where Monica grew up as one of four sisters. Spring and summer were spent picking berries, wildflowers, and names for the new kittens. Fall and winter found the girls bottle-feeding calves and building snow forts with purple-stained fingers from plucking pickled beets straight from the jar. Every evening ended with a home-cooked supper together as a family, a celebration of the love and hard work that went into growing the ingredients for the meal. When Monica moved away from the farm as a young adult, she chose to hold fast to her roots in the midst of the city. She spent time at markets and restaurants helping the chefs and buyers connect to farmers in the area. At the same time, Monica was coordinating a nationwide marketing campaign to bring awareness to organic foods. It was then that she realized that connecting these two worlds could produce a whole lot of positive change in the way people think about food. Monica believes that eating sustainably grown fresh food is a pleasure that deserves to be celebrated, and creating unique events designed to celebrate local food and farms has always been her work. Dinner on the Farm produces unique events designed to celebrate local farms with alfresco dining, farm tours, locally brewed beverages, and live music. Oh, and with Christine Hoffman involved, you can be sure that local and seasonal flowers are part of that mix. As the Twin Cities' first exclusively local and chemical-free florist, Christine is a slow flowers advocate striving to form a strong community of sustainable flower farmers, small business owners, and folks who care about supporting these mindful endeavors. By providing a local, sustainable option to traditional flowers, putting a premium on collaboration, and reaching out to the community, Christine has fostered significant change in the local floral marketplace. Christine is a past guest to this podcast, and I'll share links to those past episodes for you to go back and listen. Check out our show notes at DebraPrinzing.com to find those links and see photos and videos of Dinner on the Farm. There's even more to your experience on Sunday, June 30th, because the afternoon begins with two flower farm visits for attendees as free self-guided tours. The first stop is at Rachel and John Ackerman's Blue Sky Flower Farm, followed by tours at Green Earth Growers, owned by Jenny Hotz and Jolia Gress. And as you may recall, I've had um, all of these farmers on the podcast earlier this year. After the tours wind down, dinner festivities begin, so you'll want to grab your ticket to stay at Green Earth Growers for an incredible experience featuring flowers and produce grown right there at the farm. All the details are available in our show notes for today's episode 398 at deborahprincing.com. So let's get started. Welcome back to the Slow Flowers Podcast with Deborah Prinzing, and I'm so excited today to put the focus on our upcoming Slow Flowers Summit, which will be in the Twin Cities, Minnesota, and I have two guests here to tell us uh, a good good portion of what we're going to expect uh, at the summit, and I want to welcome Monica Walsh, founder of Dinner on the Farm, and Christine Hoffman, who has a couple hats, but one is the Twin Cities Flower Exchange uh, creator and manager, and also um, Christine has Foxglove uh, Market. So I welcome both of you. Thanks for jumping on the line with me. Hello, thanks for having me. <laughs> okay, we're trying to do this virtually, everyone. So you're gonna I'm gonna make sure Monica and Christine identify themselves when they speak because we can't I can't see them. But um, Christine, first of all, give us an update of what's going on uh, with the flower world. Here it is, uh, 
end of April. Um, are you guys um, recovering from that freak snowstorm you had last week? Yes, it's all melted. It's uh, lovely sunshine and warm today. So hopefully that's it for our snow. We've got uh, forsythia blooming finally. And of course, lots of pussy willows. Yes, your favorite ingredient. <laughs> yep, yep. And um, the farmers are probably reporting into you when you can start expecting their, their uh, harvest to come to the Twin Cities Flower Exchange, right? Right. Our opening day is June 5th. Wednesday, June 5th, so we're looking forward to that. Everyone's posting photos of their seedlings, you know, coming along in their basements and their greenhouses. Awesome. Well, we're not here to just talk about flowers. We want to talk about food. And of course, Slow Flowers was inspired by Slow Food. And I'm so excited that Monica has agreed to join us. Monica is a partner with the Slow Flowers Summit in that she's going to produce our special dinner on the farm, June 30th, which is takes place the day or the evening before uh, the Slow Flowers Summit. And uh, Monica, I'm just so interested in your business. Can you tell us a little bit about dinner on the farm? It sounds like it's been a thriving uh, foodie scene going on there for a number of years. Sure. Uh, this is Monica. So I founded Dinner on the Farm 11 years ago. And um, growing up on a farm as a kid, I just, I really enjoyed the idea of um, bringing people together to see where their food comes from. So <clears throat> what we do is we work with a local chef and we choose a farm, usually somebody that they already work with um, to source their food from for their restaurants. And we create an experience usually on a Sunday afternoon where people can come out, see the farm and have a great meal. Wow. And this is all in the kind of the greater Twin Cities area of mainly featuring Minnesota farms. Yes, we mainly work with Minnesota and a little bit of uh, Western Wisconsin, too, just because we're so close to the river here. Mm -hmm. um, we've actually done dinners all over the country and a couple in Europe. Um, in 2014, we did a bunch of dinners nationwide, but for the most part, I stick to the Midwest, mostly Minnesota and Wisconsin. Well, it makes sense because that's really where you're based and probably your, your maybe more deeper relationships are with, with the local uh, food community. That's right. And I mean, we're so lucky here to have um, the local farms and sustainable growers well, I love that you call a dinner on the farm a roaming culinary event. <laughs> I think that's a great term. Uh, how did these dinners come together? I mean, it's it's not, uh, first of all, it's super ambitious, and I know it's a lot of work, and I, I it's basically like a, an overnight restaurant setup, right? That's right. Um, it, it really comes together in different ways for each one since they're, in different locations and we're working with different chefs and breweries and musicians. Um, you know, it, it, it's just the inspiration comes from what's growing and the actual place. So we could be setting a table up in the middle of a field or we could be in a greenhouse. We could be in the upstairs of a barn. It just, it really depends on the space and uh, what works for that. Mm -hmm. And you're kind of the convener, like you're pulling all the people together to create this experience. And so you have to 
work with not only the farm that's hosting it, but you find a, you, you identify a chef and invite the chef to come in and be like the guest uh, menu developer for that evening, right? Right. And the chefs are usually really excited to get out of the restaurant and be outside and, you know, be able to roam through the gardens and see what's growing and just have a, a really creative way to, to showcase their food and the food that the farms are growing. Wow. And then who comes to the events? Are they, uh, how do people find you? And is it, you've done this for over a decade, so I'm sure you have quite a following. Yeah, we're lucky to have um, a really adventurous food eating community in the Twin Cities. Um, people, it seems like people are always up for something new and people aren't afraid to go out to a farm and get dirty and, you know, <laughs> roam around a little bit, see the animals and things like that. So um, I feel really lucky to have the support from the community that, that we've seen. Um, we have everything from families that come to um, 75th birthday parties. We have people on a first date. We've, we've got a, a really big range of of guests that come to these. Mm, yeah, it has. I have a big smile on my face thinking about that. I mean, you must witness a lot of personal, um, you know, life experiences when you see who comes to uh, to be part of this experience. And um, I just have, I just can picture it. And the photos on your website really ev uh, evoke that spirit that you just described. So hopefully, we'll share some of those in today's show notes so people can get a flavor for what to expect. Uh, this is not going to be a, um, a fancy affair. It's, it's a farm, right? That's right. Um, this event that we're planning for the Slow Flower Summit is going to be a little bit fancier than our uh, casual picnic blanket on the ground type dinners that we do for, for whole families, but it's not going to be anything too formal. So we'll have, um, family style dinner that we set out on the table and we'll just we'll have a really fun day where people can tour around the farm and have some great beer and listen to music and it'll be a it'll be a very relaxing day. Mm. I'm sure it's going to be beautiful and and you know the summer is the best the best time to be outdoors and be in our case since we'll be at a flower farm a food and flower farm we'll experience a little bit more for our senses by uh having the the flowers uh, adorn the tables as well as food that's grown there uh, be part of the menu. That's one of the most exciting parts for me when as we're planning this. The flowers that um, Christine has brought to dinner on the farm in the past have always been a highlight of the, of the event. Yeah, I know, Christine, uh, you're kind of listed as part of the team on Dinner on the Farm. So this is another one of your creative side hustles that you can't resist, right? That's, yeah, it's another one of my hats. Uh, so, yeah, and I just have to chime in um, to back up Monica a little bit. I know when you're talking about your business, you have, you know, the way you talked about it. But um, as a as a someone who started out as a guest at the dinners, I can be a little more um, yeah. just, you know, gushing a little bit more about what uh, an amazing experience it is and what um an exceptional business Monica has built um, around these farm dinners. And um, she's a really lovely hostess. And everyone is, uh, every dinner is so different. 
Um, it really is uh, kind of catered to the farm setup and what's growing seasonally, depending on the time of year. And um, having the featured chef and the featured brewery or distillery and live music, it really is just an incredibly fun afternoon. Oh, that sounds wonderful. So, Christine, you uh, you originally attended as a guest, and then how did how did you get lured in? Just because you were so passionate about what Monica was doing? <laughs> <laughs> I guess so. Um, uh, lured in, yeah, it, it didn't take much, honestly. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I guess we just really connected over the local food and local flowers, and um, uh, I started, you know, helping out with some of the design and bringing some flowers, and then I, I roped my husband into it, and um, with the promise of, you know, hanging out at a farm for the day. Um, never mind carrying all those tables and yeah. you know all that <laughs> free so, free local beer. Hey, who could who could fight, argue with that, right? Right, right. It wasn't hard to lure me in, and it's been really fun working with Monica. Wow. Well, it's such a good affinity. Uh, and when when you agreed, Christine, to be our co-host in the Twin Cities um, through the Twin Cities Flower Exchange uh, for the third annual Slow Flower Summit, I, I have to say, before I, before we even finished that very first conversation, you were telling me about Monica and telling me about dinner on the farm and saying, we have to, we have to do this. And I was, honestly, it was beyond my wildest dreams that we could ever host something uh, for our attendees like this. And it's just like you had you have a turnkey operation that we can just benefit from. And I, I was just, I was romanced by the idea immediately. Yes, we are very lucky to have uh, Monica here to help us. Yes, yes. Uh, well, earlier this year, uh, Jolia and Jenny of Green Earth Growers, our host farm, uh, joined me on the podcast. So some of our listeners might remember that uh, com conversation and they shared their story and they're very excited about being the venue for uh, Dinner on the Farm. Um, have you worked with them before, Monica, or is this the first time? This will be the first time working with them and I can't really wait. <laughs> Really? Yeah, their property looks beautiful. And um, the fact that they have food and flowers makes this even more appropriate, I think. Yes, um, it's finding a farm that does both of the both of those things really well is such a it's such a gift. You know, it's interesting, too, because um, as I was talking with them, they're you know, like a lot of farms, probably there's sort of this idea that, oh, well, it's a farm. It's not like all the paths aren't weeded or, there, you know, there's a field to park in. And like everybody probably um, hesitates about allowing a hundred guests to show up on their farm. What do you do to kind of put your farmers at ease to say, hey, that's that's OK? You know? Well, I have some firsthand experience with this. Um, I said earlier that I grew up on an organic farm and it's it's funny. I always tell people this story about my mom we have an old granary on our farm and my mom always says, oh, it's, it's falling down and it doesn't look very good and it looks run down. And every single person that comes to the farm wants to take a picture in front of it. Oh. Because it's this charming, <laughs> old, beautiful building that, you know, to, in everyone else's eyes, it's just it's it's gorgeous and magical and all of these things. So um, I think when it's your own place, you always you see different things. And then one of the beauties of having dinner on the farm for the farmers is that all of these people get to come and actually see what they're doing and, and give them all the compliments that, you know, they don't get to hear every day because they're not out 
meeting with the customers. So I think it's a really fun way for for the people who eat the food and get the flowers from the farm to actually connect with the people that are growing them. Yeah, I think that's really a good point. It's like so rewarding, all that hard work, then to see it actually uh, touch people's lives and, and nourish them. Uh, then you kind of feel, I don't know, I would feel like, okay, this, this is, there's, I'm changing, I'm changing the landscape here with my, with my small farm and, and ha maybe actually changing people's perceptions about what farms are these days too. Exactly. And we've done dinners on um, some permaculture farms that, I mean, to anyone who wasn't there every day and, and seeing where things were planted, it might look kind of wild, but I'm, to actually go through with the farmer and, and learn about what's there and learn about what comes back every year and, you know, the ways that they're companion planting and all of those things is it's such an education for people that come to the dinner. Oh, I'm glad you brought that up. So basically that's part of our evening, right? When people um, arrive, uh, well, walk us through kind of what the experience is like. What, what the, what's the timeline? And Christine, jump in because I know you'll have some things to add to this. Sure. So people come um, and what we'll do first is just let everyone kind of settle in. We'll have the bar open and people can go up and get a drink and we'll have some nice appetizers to pass around. Um, the band will probably be playing to welcome everyone there. And uh, about half an hour into the night, we'll start a tour. And it's a really good chance for people to walk around the farm and ask questions and really just um, see how everything works. And it's also nice because the farmers can say, oh, you know, on your spare time, you can, you can check this out, you can check this out. Mm -hmm. And it gives an idea of, you know, a, a path to stay on if that's, if that's what the farmers want. Um, then we'll come back and uh, the chef, as we're on the tour, the chef will be preparing the meal. And so when we get back from the tour, uh, we'll get to sit down and enjoy a family style meal together, um, listen to music, get some more beer and uh, other refreshments. And then at the end of the dinner, we usually have some sort of bonfire or just gathering place, and people can and dessert. Oh, <laughs> sure, yeah, <laughs> oh, forgot that. Um, but people can really hang out, you know, leave at their leisure and just watch the sun go down, mm. talk to others, and it's a very casual pace. Mm. So um, we try to leave a lot of time for. For people to roam around and just sit and be and if they want to take pictures that's fine but um also just just be yeah i guess i love it and i and i get the sense that you have a lot of uh fans who sign up for all your dinners like your your loyal regulars it's just it's just, I guess, sort of a once they're once like christine once you've attended one then you want to come experience the next one we do, and that's the fun part about changing up the location and mm -hmm. the chef is that they always get a little bit of a different experience. And mm -hmm. um, the ones that the dinners that we do that are family friendly, it's been really fun to see kids grow up over the years, and you know, it's really important for them to learn these things too. Wow. So, Monica, roughly how many uh, dinners will you host uh, in two thousand and nineteen? 
this year we're planning on doing three or four. Okay. Wow. And then what do you, what else are you doing in the culinary world? What's, what are your other projects? Well, we do um, some smaller dinner parties during the winter. Sometimes we do those indoors. <laughs> we're in Minnesota. Right. Um, <laughs> um, I do some work with local food nonprofits, uh, some consulting for local farms that want to do agritourism and mm. on their farms. So, um, yeah, I'm always doing something in the local food world. Um, I help some chefs to source from local farms if they're new or they're looking for different farms to work with. So, I've, I've always ha I always have my hand in something. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like you're a real connector, and, and Christina's like that so much. So I'm wondering if you, Christine, I remember when I did had you on the podcast when you had your retail shop and you were having these, like, underground dinners. Was Were they with Monica? We had um, a series, a couple series of workshops on local food and local flowers. So, oh, cool. Yeah, not quite dinners, but just different workshops with, um, you know, various themes, uh, you know, whether it's pollinators or um, what else did we do? But we, we always... We did one with uh, floral arranging. And yeah, yeah. Cocktails. Floral arranging, cocktails. So we'd have a chef in to, you know, talk about using local um, flowers um, in their in their creations. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. A mixologist doing a cocktail with flowers. Um, so it's fun. I love it. I love it. It's a good, it's a good fit. And I'm glad we're going to get to experience it. I'm so thrilled that, uh, that you that well, that Christine, you introduced me to Monica and that and that you said yes to this, Monica, it's really going to be special, especially in this case, talking about agritourism, many, many of the attendees will be coming from other parts of the US who have maybe never experienced Minnesota or the Midwest. And uh, this will be like the best way to connect them. And, and not only that, but we're having some flower farm tours uh, that day as well. So it'll be the day to see agriculture in Minnesota. And uh, I'm just advising everyone to bring their straw hat, right? I mean, what's the weather yeah. going to be like? <laughs> yes, the snow will be gone. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it will actually be warm. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was there last August, and it was a fabulous weather, and uh, it was nice. I loved it. Um, anything else you want to add, Christine, that want to uh, update people on what's going on with you and the flower farms and floral design and the summit and the Twin Cities Flower Exchange? You've got a lot. You're like Monica. You have your fingers in a lot of projects, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. Updates on all of that. Boy, Um like I said, we're just getting ready for the season opener. The the um, our wholesale buyers are really excited for the exchange to open for its third year, and everyone is really really excited that the summit is going to be here this summer. I love it. It's great. Yeah. I am too. I am. I can't wait to get there. And um, I know that. Well, I I'll just tell the listeners. I asked Monica for when when are you going to release the menu uh, for this dinner, and she schooled me a little bit on how menus happen with dinners on the farm. So maybe you can just explain that a little bit, Monica, so um, you, we can build anticipation. Sure. So uh, what usually happens with dinner on the farm is the chefs will work with the farm leading up to the dinner date and um, whatever the farm has fresh, whatever they have an abundance of, um, the, the farm, the, excuse me, the chefs like to go out to the farm 
you know, a couple weeks early and just tour through the gardens and, and see what's growing and mm. usually come up with some creative ways to use things that maybe the farmers didn't even think about them using. But we we don't know the menu until a couple of days before the dinner. Um, and that's just because of the nature of, you know, harvesting everything fresh. Uh, we always do provide a vegetarian option if people mm-hmm. have um, that as their dietary choice. Um, but other than that, it's family style. So we really just encourage everyone to be adventurous and try new things. And um, it's always just really delicious. Mm. Oh, I love it. And what you're describing is very much the same philosophy that so many Slow Flowers members uh, have in their floral design practice, which is um, I we have a general idea of what's going to be in bloom in the flower fields, but we're going to wait and see what's at peak bloom for a wedding or an event or a specific order uh, so that we're delivering like a true seasonality to our clients. And it sounds like that's very much in alignment with your values. That sounds exactly the same. Um, so everyone seems like already gets it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, I, I uh, just Monica just told me that um, nearly half the tickets are sold for the dinner on the farm. So if you are on the fence and you've been trying to decide whether to grab a ticket, now would be a good time to do that. Uh, and I will make sure I have links to the ticket order forms. Uh, the pricing is incredibly competitive. I mean, I've never seen a dinner on the farm come in at $100 per head. And I think that is a really great value uh, that you're offering to people to really have a one of a kind experience. So thank you for being so um, thoughtful about the way you're pricing this as well. And um, we're just going to I, I just think it's going to be awesome. All the speakers for the at the Soul Flower Summit will be um, at the dinner and uh, that's a good chance to also mix and mingle and have a more casual setting uh, to make some important contacts uh, with people who you want to hear from and who you want to uh, share your story with. So that's Christine and I will be making sure everyone gets to mix it up in the dialogue as well during during the uh, casual f- <laughs> music <laughs> music and dancing and and eating and touring. I, it's all it's all going to be wonderful. And I don't know if there's dancing, Christine. I just said that. There's always dancing when I'm on camera. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, thank you both so much. I, I can't wait to be there in person. And uh, I'll put all those resources um, on our show notes at DebraPrinzing.com for those of you who don't know about this yet. Uh, so you can see what uh, Monica's up to and see what some of the past dinners um, have looked like. And also, I think we've got some beautiful photos of Green Earth Growers Farm uh, that uh, Jenny and Jolia have shared in the past. So we'll, I'll, I'll throw a few of those in there too. And all the details about coming to the summit where Christine will be our one of our speakers and also uh, hosting uh, our second day uh, of the conference at Twin Cities Flower Exchange. So there's a lot, a lot to cram into three days. So people are going to get their money's worth. Right. It's going to be exciting. Good. All right. Thank you both so much for for taking the time to chat about this today. I can't wait to uh, meet you at Dinner on the Farm, Monica. And I know you'll be busy, but I'm going to give you a big hug when I see you. (laughs) Thanks. I'm looking forward to it. Great. Okay. Take care, ladies. Okay. Bye.
Thank you so much for joining me today. I'll be sure to share more news of the Slow Flower Summit as the dates approach, but now is the time for you to commit to joining me and the Slow Flowers community, people who are part of the Progressive Floral Marketplace, to connect at the Slow Flowers Summit July 1st and 2nd in St. Paul, Minnesota, and to join us at the bonus dinner on the farm taking place Sunday, June 30th. I also wanted to note a reminder that we forgot to mention during the interview with Monica. The Slow Flowers Dinner on the Farm is an adult-only event. Please reach out to either Monica or our event manager, Karen Thornton, with questions. You can find their contact information in today's show notes at deborahprinzing.com. Our next sponsor spotlight today goes to the Seattle Wholesale Growers Market, a farmer-owned cooperative committed to providing the very best the Pacific Northwest has to offer in cut flowers, foliages, and plants. The Growers Market's mission is to foster a vibrant marketplace that sustains local flower farms and provides top quality products and services to the local floral industry. Visit them at seattlewholesalegrowersmarket.com. This week marks the 8th anniversary of the Seattle Wholesale Growers Market. What an achievement. I'd love you to hear more about this intrepid hub connecting flower farmers with floral designers. Follow the link in today's show notes at deborahprinzing.com and have a listen to my 2017 interview with Diane Sukavati of Jello Mold Farm and Vivian Larson of Everyday Flowers, two of the founding farmers of this enterprise. Happy 8th birthday to the growers, leadership, and staff of Seattle Wholesale Growers Market. Our 50 States of Slow Flowers series continues today with the state of Iowa and our featured guest, Martha Pineda of Martha's Gardens, based in Dubuque. Martha writes this on her website. At Martha's Gardens, we are committed to growing sustainable flowers, free of pesticides and chemicals. Within the flower community, you'll often hear this referred to as the slow flowers or the grow not flown movement. As a small business committed to using the resources available, We subscribe to this mindset. In keeping with this, when it's necessary to supplement our flower stock with other partner growers, we are mindful to use American growers only. We believe that reduction of the carbon footprint is the responsible choice. Let's jump right in so you can meet Slow Flowers member Martha Pineda and hear lots more about her farm. So excited today to be talking about Iowa, and my guest is Martha Pineda of Martha's Gardens. Hi, Martha. Hi, Deb. Thanks Thank- for having me on today. Oh, you bet. I'm so I'm so thrilled that we could talk uh, about what you're doing. Um, Martha's Gardens is in Dubuque, Iowa, and you just told me it was sort of northeast Iowa. And I, I do have to confess, I looked at the map before I called you to try to place you. But give us a snapshot of Martha's Gardens. Would you call yourself a farmer florist? Um, yes. Okay. I do I do events and I do weddings. Um, I do farmer's market is my main focus. I get my brides from the farmer's market. They, you know, people approach me. And I was never, I never put it out there that I did weddings, but it's kind of turned into that from my clients at the market. Which farmer's market is that? It's the, uh, in Dubuque, okay. we're the oldest Iowa farmer's market. We started in 1858. Oh my gosh. And how, I'm just curious, how many flower vendors are there in terms of growers? Are you one of the few? Uh, 
There is three growers, or well, I would say five growers. Mm-hmm. There's two from Wisconsin, but they meet the 99 mile mark, <laughs> and then we've got. Oh, oh two. you're the you're the 99 mile bouquet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, there's two here in Dubuque, and then there's one that is starting this year coming out from Stockton, Illinois, mm-hmm. and he's about an hour away. Hmm. Are you okay with that? I mean, I, I would feel like more choice is better to help customers yep. see that local flowers are, are a value. Yeah, I, yep, I think, you know, it's good. Um, is it is it a, okay that there's a, a multiple vendors? I mean, how do you how do you feel, feel about that uh, with competition? I feel, I feel really good. I have uh, one of the other growers is uh, in Dubuque also, and we have a really good product. We keep our water clean. Um, we don't use product uh, week after week. It's always new product. Mm-hmm. Um, and it looks it looks fresh. I mean, my people come back to me a week later and get a few flowers to put in the bouquet. <laughs> because it, it's my, still looking good from a week uh, ago. Yep. Yeah. Well, so the, I'm really, I'm really proud of that. Yeah. Your book. I'm not, are, the, I'm not the cheapest at the market. Right. But I, I feel like I'm one of the best. Your bouquets are beautiful, the ones that you have on your website. So I'm. Thank you. You have them packaged in sort of a tan, tan paper, or. Yep. Yep. That's great. Yeah, we wrap and I wrap it right directly when they pick it out of the water. I wrap it directly at the market, and then I put a little nosegay on it, along with my business card. Wow, that's great branding. Is the nosegay just like a bonus mini bouquet? Yep, it's just a tiny little thing with dried flowers. Mm. I uh, dry everything that I don't use that week, and then I use that for dried flowers in the fall, also beginning in the spring to subsidize what I don't have yet. Right. And I use it for these little nosegays, which people, I had a lady um, last year that she just came and bought 10 of them. She wanted to put them in her hair. Oh, they yeah. just wanted the little the little things. So. Well, it's like it's like this bonus. It's like you're over you're you're exceeding expectations. You're over you know you're over generously giving them uh, another little piece from your farm that they can take home. Yep, and it and it you know it, it ref- they remember you know they yeah. So when did you start Martha's Gardens? Obviously, you're Martha and you had gardens, <laughs> but yes. how did it become a business? Well. About six years ago, I told my husband that it's just so much work, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm getting older. I was reaching 60 and I said, we got to make some money at this farm or we got to move to something smaller. It's just too, we've got 15 acres out here. Wow. And I've, I've always been a gardener and I had many gardens and I want, they were always clean and it was just a lot of work for, you know, for not making any money at it and doing right. it after for, my job for a hobby, right? <laughs> yeah, for a hobby. Yeah. Oh, so you so, had a you were in a different profession and you were working full time, and this was sort of your side hustle. Yes. Wow. Yes. Yep. So what what like flipped the switch for you? Uh, well, you told your husband we're going to make this into a business, and he he got on board. Yep, he got on board. He I always tell everybody that he only works two days a week, and that's the two days he's with me. <laughs> Uh, He's a lucky guy then, but you're, yeah, you, it is a family endeavor then. Yes, it is. My, my, this is my father and mother's farm. Um, they came out in the late seventies with 10 children. Wow. Uh, and dad always wanted to be a farmer. He never, you know, so it was a play farm until it was a flower farm. Mm. So you grew up here. 
No, I grew up in the Chicago area. Oh, okay. I was already married when he moved out here. Oh my goodness. Wow. So it's basically um, a backdrop for your business, but uh, you bring people onto the farm. You said you have open hours and you do, um, you let people have weddings there. Has that evolved from six years ago or is that more recent? It's more recent. The weddings, I, well, we've always had family weddings here, mm-hmm. you know, since I've taken over the farm. Um, but recently I, I, you know, people put like my niece, I've gotten a few from her that she puts it on Facebook and then her friends see it and they want to get married out here. Yeah. So I've had people, I, you know, these are the people that are reaching out to me that see, you know, weddings on Facebook from either our family or, you know, a relative and they want to be out here. So it's kind of turned my business that that may be an easier path to take when I reach 70. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's nice to know that the land is there and it can earn you, um, you know, revenue and the flowers then become a bonus because obviously these couples will want Martha's gardens flowers in their bouquets and boutonnieres, right? Yes. How many, roughly how many weddings did you host last year? Three. I had three last year. Is that a, is that a good, I mean, it sounds like that's kind of one a month sort of thing or how do you, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's a start. Um, I had actually two in, um, October. Oh my gosh. Fall weddings are just taken off. August, September, October is just, you know, it's crazy how people just love that time of year. Well, then, yeah, they're getting the dahlias and the amaranth and, oh, very cool. Well, uh, Tell me about uh, the the product that you're growing. Like, what what is your? Are you mostly growing annuals, or I see on your website that you've got dahlias. So you you obviously have some uh, non annual crops. Yep, I um, have many dahlias. <laughs> um, you have a uh, little thing many. with dahlias. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, a lot of annuals, a lot of perennials. I have a lot of woody cuts, um, a lot of peonies. I have, a, I think, like 200 plants now in the ground of peonies, wow. not all ready to go. Right. Some of them were on the farm, and I've divided them. Um, I've got lilac and uh, mock orange. Um, so I, I really use those a lot in my in my uh, bouquets. Right. And then so you're, I go, you're getting kind of those romantic uh, or nostalgic flowers that people who grew up in Iowa remember their grandmothers having. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, from my father. He always mm. gave me, uh, you know, the cosmos, the zinnias, the snapdragons, um, the bridal wreath. Do you know mm-hmm. that? Yeah, spirea. Yeah, I have. Spirea. I love yeah. that. I have one of those. It's going to take a lifetime before it gets big enough for me to feel like I can cut it, though. If you have an old <laughs> one, you're really yeah. lucky. Um, you're actually. I'm looking at your website. You have a really nice gallery of flowers, and um, you've, you know giving this probably is a great tool for when you're talking to uh, clients who want your design services, then you can kind of walk them through these varieties. Yep. Yeah. That's cool. I use only, you know, local flowers or American grown, which um, like a girl came just in the last couple of weeks and she had all these, you know, things that aren't available when Mm -hmm. she was getting married. Mm -hmm. And um, I said, and I only will get American grown. I, you know, flying out of California mm-hmm. or somewhere. Right. And, and she was fine. Yeah. Okay. If that's what you have, that's, you know. And that's probably really uh, 
the shoulder seasons that you're having to do that when your own product is not quite, I mean, because you're obviously still kind of transitioning from winter into spring here at the end of April, right? Yep. Yep. I, right now I have uh, ranunculas, anemones in the high tunnel. Wow. And I planted, um, uh, I think maybe 500 lisianthus and 1200 stock in the last couple of weeks. Oh my gosh. So you're going to be blowing up in that within like by, by end of May, it sounds like. Yep. Yep. Is, your, is your goal to try to get some of that for mother's day? No, I won't make Mother's Day. Okay. It's still too cold. I had I had snow within you know two uh-huh. weeks ago. Yeah, yeah. What zone are you? Is zone f- four or five? Five. five? five. Yeah. But the high yeah. tunnels help, right? Yep. Yeah. The high tunnels great. It well, I don't have any heat in there, so I was locked out of there for about three weeks this winter because of the ice that we had. So I couldn't even open the dang doors. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Wow. Well, yeah. I mean, it sounds like every year you're doing a little bit of infrastructure improvement to make this more, well, yeah. I guess, easier on you, right? Yes. Yeah. Between the um, the irrigation and then the cooler and then the high tunnel, you know, you just you learn how much it takes and you have to put it back in your business. Right, right. So, okay, you've mentioned that you do the farmer's markets, you do on-site weddings. Um, I know you also do DIY flowers. Are you selling like buckets to um, to mainly brides or? Yep. Okay. Mostly to brides, some graduations and stuff. People, you know, women will come out and pick up flowers. Um, and then I do some events in town. You know, people mm-hmm. call me for flowers. I've done farm to table some of that I donate and some mm-hmm. I do it at a discount. Mm-hmm. Do you find that you're uh, being approached by other florists who want you to sell to them wholesale? Yeah. I sell to two wholesale, um, one that are just designers over in Illinois. Um, I've been selling to them now for a year um, and they are so excited about my flowers, oh, the better, better quality than yeah. having it dipped in. Um, the dahlias, they're crazy about. Oh, that's great. It's so great to have clients who are willing to pay, you know, a fair price, too, yep. for local yep. product. Yeah. Um, then I I deliver to one um, florist here in, in Dubuque on a regular great. basis. That's nice. That's nice that also, I mean, I, I hear this from other people, too, that, that some florists are a little uncomfortable with the fact that they're buying from a farmer who also sells at a farmer's market. But... It sounds like yeah. that florist is okay. Yep. Yeah. Her mother maybe wasn't, but <laughs> but she. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. you mentioned when well, before we started recording, you mentioned that you have a big giant project going on with this historic barn on your property. Can you tell us about the barn? Yes, we've got we've got a barn that's been on the property um, since before the house was built. The house was built in 1930. Wow. And the original house was across the street. Um, the mother of this of these people, and then she had the barn, you know, um, on her property. Now we're thinking that we want to make it an event center. Everybody that comes out here just it's hidden. We're you know a couple miles from the main highway, and everybody just loves our property. Mm. So we're um, we're going to invest in the barn and put in some irrigation or some trenches to get the mm. water away from it. Um, we're going to finish some wood. Thanks, Deborah. Take care. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Last fall. It's a probably a three-year project. 
but um, you know, we're going to, we're going to make it happen. Wow. As, and as it is, we also have a, a second home here that um, should be paid for in four years. And I want to use that for the bridal party, um, for the caterers to cook in that kitchen. And then we can have the wedding over here at the barn. That sounds wonderful. And that could really, like you said, that could be replace a lot of the uh, <laughs> wear and tear on your body <laughs> from yes. farming, right? <laughs> yep, yep. Well, we would still have the flowers. Yeah. You know, we would need them for the, you know, inside. And it, um, the gardens look beautiful when they're in full bloom. You'd need them for the decor, yeah. But yep. may, maybe you would let, I don't know, maybe you'd find somebody to work with you who could do more of the farming. Yes. <laughs> Besides your husband two days a week. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, what is the, when you started Martha's Gardens, did you have any sense that there was this larger Slow Flowers movement or that there was a sentiment about local or what, you know, what's the, what's the backdrop to what just made you decide uh, to kind of make this part of your brand? Well, um, I, I'm pretty, I think that um, a lot was talked about when I went to the Wisconsin Cut Flower Growers School. Oh, right. That's every year, yeah. right? I've heard yeah. about that. Yeah. 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 So that's Joe Schmidt and Mimo and Jeannie. Yep. Um, Jeannie from Bright Flower. And, yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. And it my, my dad always, since we were little kids, he always, you know, pushed um, green on us. Mm. You know, we were smashing our dog cans, dog food <laughs> cans, and we, you know, everything was, you know, green. Like sustainable. And so I've kind of, yeah. yeah, everything sustainable. He uh, grew up in Jerusalem, and I think that was part of their lifestyle over there, you know, uh, not yeah. to make, not waste. And so we grew up that way, and it's just kind of, um, you know, it's exactly what I think about. You know, we never use chemicals in our family gardens. Um, he was totally against that. So he was green before green was popular, and I just grew up that way. You know, it's so interesting because you're in the middle of this giant agricultural, you know, region. And yet that agriculture is corporate and commodity and chemically dependent. It's, it's such a paradox compared yes. to what you're doing. Um, yeah. This is probably why people connect with you is they see these flowers. They know that they're safe and fresh and seasonal and they kind of represent what people think farming is all about, in, especially in a place like Iowa. Mm -hmm. Yes, exactly. That's neat. Yeah. Well, good. Keep it going. Your 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 flowers are beautiful, and I hope that you can share a few photos that uh, of Martha's Gardens that we can um, add to uh, the show notes for this week. And I'm so excited that we could talk about a little bit of a snapshot of what's happening in Iowa um, as we move our way through 50 states of slow flowers. Oh <laughs> uh, yes, I'm that delighted. was so cool. When I heard that, I thought that is such a good thing to do this year. I was really excited about it. Yeah, it's great. It really helps us see that this is not just a one region of the country or, um, you know, even large agricultural areas, but every state has flower farming. And that's, that's kind of exciting to, and of course, uh, I think it's on the comeback in some states and, and you're part of that in Iowa. I, I, we have more members joining, uh, you know, every year from Iowa and, um, <laughs> you're kind of creating, I don't, I wouldn't say a critical mass because the whole state is covered, but you're, um, you're demonstrating that it's possible even when you are in zone five to have a yep. vibrant flower business. 
Cool. Well, anything else you want to add, Bartha, that I didn't ask you before we sign off? No, I just want to thank you, Deb, for reaching out to me and having me on your podcast. It's really been a pleasure. Well, thank you. And we've already schemed about how I can come visit when I go see my friends, Jean and Davenport. So maybe in 2020, I'll get myself there. Oh, that would be great. Great. Well, we're going to have uh, photos from Martha's Gardens and um, all the social links so you can find Martha Pineda and her flowers uh, to follow along. So you may, maybe you'll make a new friend uh, through hearing Martha's voice. So uh, that's my wish for everyone. So thanks a lot, Martha. Thanks, Deborah. much for joining me today and I'm so pleased to share the stories and voices of Monica, Christine, and Martha. I'm continually inspired by the incredible people who are making our world a better place through flowers and farming. As I seek new and inspiring voices, people with passion, heart, commitment, and expertise to share with you, it's my wish that today's episode gave you at least one inspiring insight or tip to apply to your floral enterprise. What you gain will be multiplied as you pay it forward and help someone else. Well, we've spoken a lot about the Slow Flower Summit today, coming up on July 1st and 2nd in St. Paul, Minnesota. More than half of the registration slots have been grabbed. So don't miss out on this opportunity to join with Slow Flowers thinkers and doers in person. One of our past year speakers dubbed the summit a floral mind meld, and I love that concept. Come and be part of the incredible and uplifting experience. You can make your way to slowflowerssummit.com to learn all about the many opportunities to join us, from flower farm tours and dinner on a flower farm, to business and branding presentations, to interactive and inspiring design sessions, all created to serve you. Subscribe to Summit News and Updates at slowflowerssummit.com. Truly, we have a vital and vibrant community of flower farmers and floral designers who together define the Slow Flowers movement as our cause gains more supporters and more passionate participants who believe in the importance of the American cut flower industry. The momentum is contagious. I know you feel it too. I value your support and invite you to show your thanks with a donation to support my ongoing advocacy, education, and outreach activities. You can find the donate button in the column to the right at deborahprinzing.com. Our final sponsor spotlight thanks goes to Syndicate Sales, an American manufacturer of vases and accessories for the professional florist. Look for the American flag icon to find Syndicate's USA-made products and join the Syndicate Stars loyalty program at syndicatesales.com. This is a big week for Syndicate's USA-made mechanics, the pillow and egg product line, affectionately called Holly X Syndicate. The reusable armatures for floral designing are featured in Martha Stewart Living's current issue, and that's a good thing. Congratulations, Syndicate and Holly Chapel, for this amazing recognition. I'll share a link to ordering information in today's show notes so you can check out your own products and play around with them in your own floral design. The Slow Flowers podcast has been downloaded more than 448,000 times by listeners like you. Thank you for listening, commenting, and sharing. It means so much. Thank you all. I'm Deborah Prinzing, host and producer of the Slow Flowers podcast. 
Next week, you're invited to join me in putting more American-grown flowers on the table, one vase at a time. And if you like what you hear, please consider logging on to iTunes and posting a listener review. The content and opinions expressed here are either mine alone or those of my guests alone, independent of any podcast sponsor or other person, company, or organization. The Slow Flowers podcast is engineered and edited by Andrew Brenlin. Learn more about his work at soundbodymovement.com. Thank you.